Welcome, friends, to another episode of It Takes a Village, a podcast of Healing Hands International. We're based out of Nashville, Tennessee. My name is Mark Gent, and I am joined by my co-host, Taryn Foster. Hey, Taryn. Hey. How's it going? Going well. What are you up to these days? Uh, not much. Just hanging out with pals. Okay. So, tell us about our guest today on this episode. Today we have on Rita Cochran, who is connected with Healing Hands from a long time ago. She was our administrative assistant, but I won't spoil that too much because she's going to tell you, but uh, she's on the board of directors now, and she is also, well, now she's a director of women's ministry at a church in Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think our listeners are really going to enjoy hearing about uh, Rita's passion mm-hmm. for women's ministry, but just just for people and uh, her large family that she has. Mm-hmm. Every time I talk to her, I get more interested in hearing her story and her family. And all she's connected to so many people. Like I know I have a friend I went abroad with, uh, and she actually went to church with her a while ago. So it's just, we're all connected. Yeah. It's cool. So here is our interview with Rita Cochran. Hello, friends. Today we have on Rita Cochran. Welcome, Rita. Thank Thanks you. for being Great here. Great to be here. Yeah. So I guess we can just kick it off. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Your hometown, siblings, all well, that stuff. Actually, I'm one of the few people in Nashville that can actually say this is where I was born and raised. Okay, so right here, in, I'm a Nashvilleian. There are 20 of you. There are yeah, all 20 no of <laughs> us, and six of us are the Cato kids. Yes. So all of us uh, are still here in Nashville, but wow. raised in Nashville, educated in Nashville. I did spend seven years kind of on the road after we married, um, moving around, but just was so grateful to get to back to Nashville to home and have been here ever since. Wow, that's awesome. So what about, so where did you go to school? Did I, you? I went through Lipscomb. I'm considered okay. a lifer. Okay. First grade through bachelor's degree of education. Wow. And then I taught at Lipscomb for 25 years. So I think 40 years if I've done my math and I'm not, I did not teach math, just so you all know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Approximately 40 years I've been at Lipscomb. My goodness. What did you teach? I taught middle school, seventh grade mostly. Oh, bless you. Seventh graders. You got to love them if you're going to teach them. You just Mm got to love them. Mm -hmm. And I did. I loved those years. I loved the years in the classroom. I've loved the years since the classroom because I kept thinking there has to be a life without homework somewhere. Yeah. Yes. 40 years of homework was enough. (laughs) And um, I bet I miss the kids. I miss that interaction. We have a rising seventh grader ourselves. So I may need to have you on speed dial. God bless you. (laughs) Metamorphosis year. Oh, really? Yes. That's exciting. Absolutely. Tell us about your family. I know you have an interesting little dynamic. Interesting tribe. Interesting tribe. I I do. Sometimes I cringe when people just ask a, a normal question of, how many children do you have? Because my answer is far from normal. And the best I can say, I birthed three children. Mm-hmm. I consider that I am the mother of four, but yet I have raised um, seven total. 
teenagers, which my husband and I have decided if God called the number seven complete, Mm -hmm. we are finished. That Mm -hmm. is enough. Seven teenagers is enough for anybody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You have earned your stripes in that. I think I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, That. Um, how that happened yeah I mean (laughs) yes it is it is I I when I talk to people about it I have to use the words reluctantly submissive to God because that's how it came Mm. about it with all of these children were placed in our lives by God and very reluctantly sometimes um we met that challenge I'm going to be honest but um our fourth child is a daughter from China, and she literally showed up in my classroom at my door one afternoon. I taught seventh grade at Lipscomb, and um, this very precious, very shy uh, high school Chinese girl came to my door and bowed and said, are you Mrs. Cochran? And I said, I am. She said, well, my name is Dana Pongjong, and I need a host family to live with. And my friends in high school said, go see Mrs. Cochran. I bet you could live with her. And I just really didn't know what to say. I'd never met her before. And so we talked for a bit. And I told her, I said, "Um, Dana, let me do this. Let me go home. I would never make this decision without speaking to my husband. But she knew her, her classmates had known I had kept another international student for two years who ran into the same problem who needed a a host mom Mm -hmm. and we had taken him in and they knew that and that's why they sent her my way so I told her I I had a question for her I said I'm just gonna go out on a limb here Dana and um and guess that you aren't a person of of Christian faith am I right I mean being from China that's just kind of I know a little bit about China, and she goes, oh, it is not our culture to be religious. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, here's what you need to do. You need to talk to your parents and let them know that if you were to come live with us, that you would be living with a family of Christian faith, and our faith is our most important part of our life, so you would be involved in that very much. And that may be a deal breaker for them, and I understand that. But mm-hmm. why don't you talk to your mom and your dad, and I will talk to my husband and meet me back here in the morning. So the next morning, she was waiting at my door <laughs> when I got there, and she, and I said, did you talk to your parents? And she said, I did, and they said it would be a good thing for me to learn the culture of religion. That's the way she put it. And I kind of smiled and I said, well, I have talked to my husband and we've prayed over this and we want you to at least come and finish out the year. And then let's reevaluate. I said, to be really honest, you may not want to hang with us longer than that. (laughs) That may be all of the Cochrane lifestyle you can take. And she was how old at the time? She would have been 14, I guess, at that time. And um, so anyway, she came to live with us for six months, and that's been almost 14 years ago. And today she is a Christian. She is a professor of computer science and engineering at Vanderbilt University, and she is mine. That is awesome. (laughs) That is so great. What about the other three teenagers you raised? The other three, one was a young boy from Thailand who lived with us um, almost two years 
The other two were my most challenging, but just so precious. They were, again, God placed them in my lap. They were a brother and a sister from Bangladesh who were Muslim who came to live with me and lived with me for two years and went to Lipscomb. And we speak every week. We still talk and FaceTime and um, they are precious and they Again, it was it was a challenge. Our faith was very, very um, polar opposite, mm-hmm. but um, they went with us to worship and um, and learned a lot. You know, I'd, I, they still today will speak of their time in church and they will say, "Pray for me, Mrs. Cochran. Pray for me. I have a big interview coming up," or things like that. And I'll say, "You know, God's got this. Mm-hmm. God's got it." Mm-hmm. So I'm anxious to see where God takes that seed. Yeah. That is so awesome and so impressive how God just kept opening those doors. And and each student that showed up was an international student. Yes. From all across the globe. Chinese, China, China, Thailand, and Bangladesh. Yeah. Wow. And how and have you ever traveled to that part of the world? I've been to all three, all four. Have you really? Yeah, I've visited all of those places. So the children from Bangladesh I met when I was there and was paired up with, I went to, I was asked by the Department of Education, U.S. Department of Education to go to Bangladesh and mentor their teachers because they have no teacher trainers. Mm -hmm. So I went and they paired me up with these students' mother. And we became fast friends, and she visited our home in the States and attended some classes while in the U.S. And then she reached out to me through email one day and said, I am I'm reaching out to you as a sister. And she said, I fear for my children. They're being harassed, and they're being um, threatened because of my work to keep girls in school, which was very unpopular in a Muslim society. Mm-hmm. And she said, I am asking, will you take my children? And again, I just, I couldn't believe it. I, yeah. um, what do you say? Well, like? <laughs> I called my husband and I said, we have to talk when you get home. And so when he got home, I said, you better sit down. And he said, I'm just going to tell you the last time I heard, you better sit down, we took in a student <laughs> for two <laughs> years. What are you telling me? Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, it was, a, it was a God path. We never saw it coming, but we saw God open so many doors for their students. And, op- and, and God opened their eyes to the real God. They didn't know him. They didn't know anything of him. And when they came, they admitted later that their their family had warned them of the terrors of the Christian faith and to beware. Mm-hmm. And so, but they left with a love for so many Christians. And, and they left um, with a heart that was softened towards Christianity. So again, a seed was planted. Yeah. That is fantastic. I, I can envision Mike Cochran one day writing a book that he is should. that is entitled... I, that is entitled, Never. hey, 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 honey, please sit down. Have a seat. He has told me. That's how me every conversation started title. that led to. He said, next time you tell me, why don't you have a seat? We're going to, we need to talk. I'm going to get up and go start packing my bags. Yeah. <laughs> but I have said so many times, it, it, I couldn't have done this without him. He has a heart for God. And I've said 
this about him. I said, this is a man I dearly, dearly love, but he can never find the mayonnaise in the refrigerator ever. (laughs) But he can always find a soft spot in his heart for children who need us. And and that's who I married, so I feel very blessed. That's sweet. How did y'all meet? Ninth grade math class. Oh. Like I said, I didn't teach math, so I needed lots of help. I married a mathematical genius. He's a Smart. civil engineer today. And so in ninth grade, he literally helped me pass that class. Wow. As well as every math class afterwards. <laughs> that's awesome. That's handy. That's great. Yes. What I should have done. Yes. Not good at math. <laughs> yes. Find somebody who compliments your weak spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's been obvious in the first 10 minutes uh, what you're passionate about, but just mm-hmm. thinking about, um, you know, what do you enjoy outside of work? Like what are hobbies that Rita has? What mm-hmm. is it you're passionate about? We're going to get into your professional, uh, your career here shortly, okay. but just when it comes to uh, what makes your heart beat fast, mm-hmm. wh- what are those things you're passionate about? What do you enjoy doing? In my spare time, I would say I love to read, but that rarely happens because Mm -hmm. that's kind of a commitment of time that I don't normally have. But I do every single day get out and walk. I love hiking. I love walking in nature. Uh, We have Radnor Park close by, so that's one of my passions. I love to go. It is something my husband and I also share. What is your favorite trail at Radnor? I do the Gainer Gainer Ridge. Gainer Ridge. Yes, Mm -hmm. we do Gainer a lot. Um, In August, my daughter and my husband and I plan to head to Yellowstone, (gasps) and we already have our list of trails. So we're very excited about that. We were supposed to be in Greece this week because my other passion is traveling. And so we were planned to be in Greece. And, of course, with the COVID, borders still closed. That wasn't possible. So we opted for staying more domestic here, and we're going to Yellowstone. Very excited about it. What would you say, um, what fills you up? Like, what what are some of your spiritual disciplines that you could share with our listeners mm-hmm. of things that you've just learned throughout your journey of faith that that fills you up, that are part of your uh, daily routine, weekly routine, whatever that may be? Well, I do begin my morning, every morning, with my favorite two things, coffee and Jesus. Those are the way. Those are the ways I begin my morning. So um, I actually go to the coffee shop. I get up early. We're, my husband and I are the early to bed, early to riser people. Mm-hmm. So we're up at 530. We're at the coffee shop at 6 um, with Bible open and prayer time. I do in my ministry, and what I know we'll talk about that in a minute, but I write a weekly devotional for women. So a lot of my study time in the morning revolves around what I'm writing. So I'm reading and I'm studying and I'm praying and um, meditating on what I'm getting ready to put out for our women. Is there a verse? I know because you read. Is there a verse that you, you My love? go-to verse. I have called Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 always, always my go-to verse because I've found that whatever my situation is, that one applies so that whatever if I'm sad if I'm if I'm lonely if I'm if I'm stressed if I'm looking for a path that I haven't been able to see yet Mm -hmm. if I'm anxious I just have to remind myself trust Mm -hmm. it is about putting my trust in a God who knows my path Mm -hmm. 
and it's not in my own understanding of this path. So my prayer has to be, I pray Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 all the time. Just about every morning on my drive to the coffee shop, I'm praying, Lord, help me see your path for me today because mine is ever before me. My, what I see is always my path, but I want to be led by your path. So it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's really good. I need to read that one more because I'm a big planner yes. in my weeks. I get, that's the only thing I get crazy about. Is I have to know my plan. Your plan. Every day. Your mm-hmm. plan. And doesn't it make you crazy? It's like when you write a script and nobody follows your lines yeah. when your plans fall through. And then I have to realize it wasn't about my plan. Right. This was God's plan. Mm-hmm. I have to trust. I've prayed over it. Mm-hmm. And I have to trust that I have prayed over it. God is answering and this is his path. Mm-hmm. That's, That's really great. good. Where did you go to get your water today? Across the room? Across the house? Did you know that every day millions of people all over the world get up and walk several miles to search for water? More times than not, the water they do find is dirty and causes them to get sick. For the past 20 years, churches and individuals have been partnering with Healing Hands International to help bring an end to the water crisis by drilling water wells and distributing water filtration systems. HHI empowers Christians to live out their calling to do good to all by providing local opportunities to make a global difference. You can get involved by hosting a Walk for Water event or attending one in your area. Walk for Water is a simple concept. To host a walk, you only need to do three things. Pick a date, find a location, and get people there. Healing Hands is going to take care of the rest. To learn more about how you can help people get clean water, visit Walk the number four water.org. That's walkforwater.org. Join us in changing the water cycle today. When I was talking with Elisa in our office yesterday, she described you as a connector of people. Yeah. So yes. one, would you agree um, with that? Um, and two, what does that look like for you? So when, I, you know, through your ministry uh, at church, through friendships, uh, teacher for so long, uh, what does that look like for you? And just her describing you as a connector of people. Well, that, that probably is a good, a good way to describe me. I love people. And I do come from a family that connected with people. My father was a longtime minister of the gospel um, in the Nashville area, and that brought us in contact with so many people in Nashville in, within um, people of faith, you know, especially being coming from Lipscomb also and staying in the city where you go to college puts you in connection with all of those people. Um, and, and teaching for 25 years, those precious students that I taught in middle school are now these wonderful adults. In fact, when I came into this building this morning, this young man with a beard came up and said, ma'am, may I help you? And I turned around to say, I'm looking for the office door. And he went, you were my middle school teacher. And I said, oh my goodness, 
He said, you're Mrs. Cochran. I said, I am, but you're going to have to help me because I'm pretty sure when I taught you in seventh grade, you didn't have a beard. So (laughs) help me out. What is your name? (laughs) And he told me I was so excited to see him. So um, all of those years that you put into people bring you this incredible group that you can call yours you know it, it there it's precious that's God's gift to us but I do love to connect people together so if I find that you're looking for someone with a certain criteria or quality and I happen to know that I find joy in putting you together that's fantastic and then that's I can fantastic. also just back out and let y'all go to it and yeah. I'm out yeah. I'm out I'm like oh, okay I've done my part so <laughs> So you were a school teacher for 25 years, and it takes somebody really special. I mean, school teachers um, just across the world are are special people who pour into the lives of kids, who know going into it that, um, you know, they're going to be often overworked and underpaid. But they, they, but they don't do it for the paycheck. They do it because they love kids. But for you... Why education? Why did you make that decision so many, right. a few decades ago that, hey, I want to go into education and uh, have an impact? Okay. If I'm going to be honest and transparent, you may not like my answer. No, please do. Honest we and transparent. All about honesty and transparency. Let me go back to my go-to verse, trust in the Lord, that he is going to direct your path and don't lean on your own understanding. So... When it was time for college, I really wanted to be a nurse. I just had always seen that as my calling, to be a nurse. But but I had a scholarship at Lipscomb University, and in that day and age, there was no nursing degree. So when I approached my parents about it, they just had to say, this is where your scholarship. My dad was a minister of the gospel. My mom, a homemaker. We had six children. There was no money for college. So... It's a tough decision, Rita, but you would have to take out loans or you could go to Lipscomb free. And so I just had to look for something. And to be really honest, I've said so many times, in my opinion, teaching became my fallback Mm. because it wasn't really what I had chosen, but it was like my second choice. But looking back on those years of teaching, God knew. Mm -hmm. God knew that is where I needed to be. I loved my years in the classroom. I adored being with those kids. Um, There's so many days when I walked away and I thought, I'm not sure I have taught them anything today, but I can tell you what I've learned. Mm -hmm. I learned so much from those kids. And so um, it was, again, just a, a way for me to look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and say, this works. God had a better path. God knew all along right where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. However, I will say, when I walked away after 25 years, I said, love you, gonna miss you. Don't call me. (laughs) Do not call me to sub. Um, But I will say this. When you you mentioned that teachers are the heroes, I want you to know that I broke that. I broke what I had said. Uh, at the beginning of this past school year, I got I received a phone call the week of in-service that the teacher who had taken my position had just found out his wife would be put on hospice. And so I walked back into the classroom. I said, this is the, I, you know, I really prayed over that because I'd said I'd never go back. I'd walked away happy with what I had done and, and didn't really ever want to go back. But 
it was the only reason I could think I would go back into the classroom. And so I walked back into that classroom for the first time in about five years. And um, just to hold down the fort, really, and teach those kids until the teacher could return. And I am going to tell you that those are the teachers that are the heroes. I was overwhelmed mm-hmm. with what they were being called to do. Um, Zooming, you know, you had students online at the same time you were teaching in person. Uh, I was having to navigate new software I had never done before. I was putting in more hours at home than I was putting in during the day at the school. Um, all the while, you know, I knew my time would come to an end, but theirs wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And so those teachers, if um, if you have school children, um, go back and thank those teachers because what they were doing was amazing. Right. So you retired from teaching five years ago and today you're the director of women's ministry uh, at a church here in Nashville, the Church of Christ in Green Hills. Talk about, but you've got this and you're known for having this great passion for women's ministry having spoken at our women's of our women of hope conference and other places around the country. Uh, Talk about your passion for women's ministry and then through your uh, job at church, just what does that look like for you on a regular basis? All right. Let me back up just a little bit because I did go first to Healing Hands and I worked for Healing Hands for a while and just absolutely adored that work, Um, adored those people. Um, The the ministry there was um, very important to me. It was with a heavy heart that I had to walk away, Mm -hmm. but I did it when I took in the two children from Bangladesh because I knew that was going to have to take priority. And so that was my reason for going, for walking away from Healing Hands. And then the elders at the Church of Christ in Green Hills hired me as a part-time women's ministry minister, allowing me some flexibility with my uh, schedule so that I could still drop off at school and pick up at three o'clock and get them where they needed. But um, I, I love the ministry. My days, um, I never know what a day holds. So I may get a call that someone has uh, been in, in, taken to the hospital. You know, can I reach out to them? Or uh, someone wants to talk to you. Um, the back porch through COVID, my back porch has been my office because we could get outside and, and visit and talk and pray and pray over each other. Um, again, writing a devotional every week, I do that. One of the things that was most difficult for me during the COVID part of the ministry was um, going in and taping our ladies Bible class. I don't have a fear of public speaking. I don't, I know a lot of people do, but I think 25 years in the classroom kind of put that fear away. I do not mind standing up and speaking in front of people, but what terrified me was standing up and speaking in front of no one. And that became very much a growing and a learning process. So, but what, what we did is we taped our ladies Bible class all throughout COVID and put that out to our women. And we had a a Facebook group page going where different ones, I would call on different ones to read a scripture that was precious to them and, and talk about it a little bit just to keep us connected. It became, um, very important to try to somehow connect and and remain family 
during this time of separation. But um, I love my job. I think, again, like I never saw myself in women's ministry, but again, God did. And his path, it's his path that put me here. Yeah, and you've touched on this, but um, churches, uh, for every church, it look, it has looked very different the last year and a half now. And the uh, the impact that it has had on churches in the middle of the pandemic and now as we're coming out of it, on this side of it, talk about, uh, just from that church perspective, speak to the challenges that you faced as a church, but also you personally, which you've talked about, both during the pandemic and even now. As we're opening back up, the challenge is coming back together, where the challenge a year ago was, how do we deal with this separation? We have the opposite. How do we deal now with coming back together? Um, Our church is doing what most churches, I think, now are doing, and that's streaming our services. And it becomes very, very convenient for a lot of people to stay at home. And I do understand, I've talked to women who have what is being termed some post- um, what do you call the post-war syndrome? PTSD. PTSD. There's a PTSD is what I'm, I'm hearing it called, a PTSD of, of going back and being introduced back into society. And some of our, especially our older women, mm-hmm. and I understand that, there there's some um, fright over get, getting back together. So trying to be um, cognizant of those fears and encouraging and trying to reach their needs and meet their spiritual needs um, while we navigate really some uncharted waters. That's where we've all been called. We've all been called to step out of that boat on faith. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's been a growth process, and I don't have all the answers. But um, one of the things we do learn when we look at the life of Jesus is he was the relationship king he built relationships and we can still do that even through covid we can still have relationships i can't tell you how many porch visits i've had um that's been my ministry so many times when i talk to our elders and try to catch them up on what i've been doing um they'll even say how many porch visits have you made this time because it's because it's that's what i've done you know and when people are fearful to even have you in your in their home but you can always stand on the porch. Right. That's a good little saying. I like that. You can always stand on the porch. You can always be on the porch. <laughs> so I know you kind of talked about healing hands being there. How did you get connected initially? And what was the role that you played? Well, hands? again, I'm going to go back. I told go you back. Proverbs 3, 5, <laughs> and 6. It's my verse, if I trust. So when I retired from teaching. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I did know what I didn't want to do. I really did not want to go back into the classroom. It was all I had ever done. Mm -hmm. And so I just was putting that before the Lord. And I was retired long enough to realize I really did not want to be totally retired. But I didn't have a plan at all. So I was eating breakfast one morning at a restaurant. And Scott Saunders from Healing Hands walked in, who I had taught his children at Lipscomb. And we've known each other for a long time. 
So he came over and we were just visiting and he said, how's your school year going? And I said, it's not. I retired. (laughs) He went, no, you didn't. What are you going to do? He said, I thought you'd be there forever. And I said, I kind of did too. I kind of felt that way, but I decided it was long enough and I walked away and I said, but I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just kind of waiting for God to show me. I'm, I'm putting it before him. I said, whatever it is, it will not involve homework. And whatever it is, it will be part-time. Those are my two criteria. So I'm just kind of waiting on God. And it wasn't but a couple of weeks till Scott called and he said, if you are serious, we have a part-time position at Healing Hands. Would you be interested? So that's what brought me to Healing Hands. Amazing. And what did you do? What was the... I actually just sat at the desk right inside the door, and I've laughed so many times, and I know I've told you this before, when I sat down with Scott and Chris Jingles and Mm -hmm. interviewed, it basically was a an easy job, just um, just three things. You know, I was going to answer the door and greet all the visitors. And then I was going to uh, answer the phone and I was going to give out the mail. And uh, that could not have been further from the case, but <laughs> I absolutely adored the word. That job description changed quickly. It did. Mm-hmm. It was like 200,000 responsibilities in those three points. But I loved every minute of it. And I love that. Um, I love the work of Healing Hands. I am totally bought in and sold in the outreach that it does to first be the hands and feet. And that's how you gain their hearts is once you're the hands and feet, they see your heart, a heart for Jesus. So we're celebrating our 30th year this year. I know. We're so excited. Yes. So as a board member, give us some insight about what that longevity means because I've a lot of nonprofits don't make it 30 years, so they don't. what does that mean? Okay, you? you know what it means? I'm going back to my verse, my go-to <laughs> verse. See yeah. what I mean? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Mm-hmm. If you trust him and if you f- just put your trust in the fact that he is going to make these paths straight, that's what he does. And Healing Hands has done that. When I have a little funny story, when I came to Healing Hands, I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't know a whole lot about the work. I had heard of Healing Hands. I knew they uh, drilled wells. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew they gave out Magi boxes. Beyond that, I really did not know what Healing Hands did. But it the job sounded great. I knew Scott Saunders. I trusted him. I thought, this will be perfect. So um, the more I learned about the work there, I would go home and I would tell my husband, guess what else Healing Hands does? Did you know they did this? Did you know they did this? Listen at what I learned today. And, but at that point, we still had not truthfully, if I'm going to again be very transparent, we were not donors of Healing Hands. We had not yet opened our pocketbook to Healing Hands because we're very, very cautious stewards. We were taught that. My father taught me that. You, um, We are to be stewards of everything. They're, what we have is not ours. It's God's. But you are to be cautious with that and put it in the hands of people that are, tr- that are following the Lord. And so we had not done that yet. But one day, um, I saw the president, who was Burton Hours at the time, he came through my office with a vacuum, a vacuum cleaner, and he was vacuuming the carpet, and I was so confused by this whole story. I thought, I don't understand what is going on here. And I said, Bert, do you need me? 
do you need me to do that? Because I thought the president of a company should not be vacuuming. And he said, oh, no, this is my Friday job. Um, I'm sure that you'll get one soon. And I thought, Friday job? What's a Friday job? And then I learned very quickly what it was. Healing Hands chose to divvy up all of the housekeeping duties so that no money was spent unnecessarily on housekeeping. And that way, whatever donor money went or was given, was donated, went as much of it as possible to the people it could help the most. And so because of that, I went home and told my husband, this is an organization we can give to. That's awesome. So you also, um, to transition, you uh, are known in your circles and at the Healing Hands office, but also just in some of your women's ministry circles, that you have this different personality, that you do this improv, you have this impersonation you do called the church lady that is hilarious and very (laughs) hysterical. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had our board dinner with all the staff, and you did a stand-up routine. So tell us a little bit, not not asking you to right now uh, get in character, but just tell us how the church lady came about and how you find joy in that. Well, it goes way back, to be honest. Um, many years ago, when we first became members at the Church of Christ in Green Hills, We had a ladies retreat and another lady approached me and said, would you mind being on the committee for entertainment? And it just sounded kind of fun. You know, I was home with three children and I was all about fun (laughs) and getting away from three kids and leaving them home with husbands sounded fun enough. But if I were going to up it, what would we do? And so we came up with the idea to do a skit and, and, and it started, so this started probably 25 years ago and throughout the years I've done it for different women's groups and um, I guess are mostly for our own church uh, ladies but it's just um, it's a lot of fun and I found during COVID I had not I had not been the church lady for a number of years when COVID hit and in our meetings with um, the ministers at church, we just started talking about what can each of you do in your ministries that would encourage and enlighten up because depression, we began to hear about depression setting in among um, the people that were so alienated and lonely. And I thought, well, maybe the church lady could come back around. And so I began taping just little snippets of church lady and and posting them on our Facebook page. And then um, they began to get shared. And so from there, it's kind of started all over again. I thought church lady had been put to rest, but no, she's back. So I'm so happy. Well, it is fun. (laughs) I'll have to admit. You'll have to let us know what your local travel schedule is when you're um, you're speaking (laughs) engagement. Okay. Your tour. Will do, will do. So, Rita, the name of the podcast is It Takes a Village. And talk about what that means for you personally. You have um, just been in ministry a long time, been in education. You have this large family. But uh, who is your village? And who are the people in your life that have impacted you? Maybe a friend, maybe a mentor. We want to hear about uh, who those people have been that has shaped you and molded you into who you are today and who your village is. 
Well, I'm very fortunate that I come, I do come from a large family and we are a very close family. So not only are we family, siblings, cousins, we're also neighbors. We built a compound is what people call it. They laugh at us, actually, to be really honest. We live on a compound, all four houses, four siblings. So my family is first and foremost part of my village, and I couldn't have raised my children without them. And to be really honest, we just changed our will. Our children are grown. They're 40, 38, and 32. And we just changed our will because it said that if anything happened to my husband and I, my my sister would get our kids, and I'm pretty sure she still doesn't want them. <laughs> so we did change our. So we did take them out of the will. But um, my family's been very important. But my church family, I, they're my family too. You know, we are family, and um, I've said so many times and told young mothers when they when they come to visit us or when they place membership with us, and you're part of a family now. Please know we're family here. If you need anything, we are here for you. So that that church village, I could not have raised my children without those people. And um, we are still friends with those who had children young when ours were young. And we've raised them together. And there have been times when we've met together late into the night and we've laughed over things our teenagers have done. And there were times we've met together late in the night and cried over things our our kids and our teenagers have done, and we've prayed together, and we've held each other up, and um, gratefully, there the times that I needed them to hold me up, they were strong, and the times they needed me to hold them up, I was strong, and that's what a village does. It works together, and we get through this life because um, there's something so much greater on the other side. We're just all broken people trying to get to the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have for you. Thank you so much for sitting with us and talking with us about your life. It was you awesome. You are welcome. Yeah. I hope I hope all the things that Healing Hands puts its hand into um, just flies. And I know if you trust the Lord and put it in his hands, he'll direct the path. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. This has been fantastic. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And that was a that was just a really great uh, forty minutes with Rita, mm-hmm. and she's such a fascinating person. Has lived a uh, just a wonderful life in obedience to God. And yeah. uh, what stuck out to you? What were some things through her interview that you're gonna be your they're gonna be your takeaways? Mm. I I really liked how she has all those kids that she talked about that aren't actually her kids. Um, from all those different countries, and she's actually visited those countries to see them, but she got connected through a few of them just by visiting the places, which I thought was really interesting, and her being from Nashville and growing up here and then going to school and college and kind of staying put here, I think that that was probably important for her to kind of get those cultural experiences, Um, but, and then she kept bringing up that verse, Proverbs Proverbs 5, three, five, and three, six. Yes. Which I'm, I need to plaster that on my mirror because like I said, I tend to like make my own path and I need to lean on God more. But, um, yeah. What about you? I thought it was awesome. 
So what? I, one, seven teenagers. Wow. Yeah. Like she nope. only had, biologically, <laughs> she had three, but she mm-hmm. raised, uh, helped raise seven teenagers. Yeah. And what I loved through that, I mean, the, the story of the Chinese student uh, showing up at her door one day mm-hmm. and saying, will you be my host family? Yeah. She had no notice. She That morning when she woke up, she had no clue that an international student was going to come to her um, classroom and ask such a bold question. Mm-hmm. But then how quickly her and Mike made a decision within 24 hours that they felt like God was calling them to say yes. Mm-hmm. And that was the first of several international students that they had. So just, um, and then also just how she, back in college, she wanted to do nursing. And, but where she went to college didn't have a nursing program. So she went down the path of education. And, you know, we would say that she, the impact and influence she then had on kids' lives through education was just tremendous. So uh, mm-hmm. her, um, her listening and being obedient uh, is not just a recent thing, but you can, it traces back to the beginning of her faith journey when she was a teenager, yeah. when she was making that decision on what do I major in in college. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of um, a lot of takeaways from that time with Rita. Right, and I I always remember my like middle school and elementary teacher, and so I'm sure she's made such an impact on so many students, which is really cool. Well, I guess that's a wrap for that episode. Uh, thank you for joining us, being a part of our community here on It Takes a Village. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review and listen to us wherever you can find your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you're listening. Share it on social media. Help us spread the word. So, that's it. Yeah, thank that's you, Taryn. It. Great job. Yeah, See you next time. You.